welcome to episode 402 of Awards Daily's Water Cooler Podcast. I'm joined by the other two M's. So M's, let's go around the cooler and tell the listeners who you are and where they can find you on the internet. Megan, welcome back. We'll start with you this week. Thanks. Um, uh, hi, I'm Megan McLaughlin. You can find me on Twitter at HeyDudeMeg. Joey, apparently, uh, hopefully you've gotten some sleep since last week, so we'll go with you now. Hi, <laughs> uh, I'm Joey Moser. You can find me on Twitter at JoeyMoser83. And again, I'm Clarence Moy. You can find me on Twitter at Clarence Moy. Megan, that was an inside joke because I don't know if you listened to the podcast last week, but but Joey, it was either because you weren't there or he didn't have enough sleep, but Joey, Joey lacked that sparkle, that uh, extra sense of gayness that we all love. Um, he, was quite, uh, he was quite dead on his feet last weekend. Wow. It's probably because I wasn't here. That's got to yeah, be I think it. it was. I think it was. Yeah. Had nothing to do with the fact that he's been doing about 45 interviews. I know. <laughs> 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 anyway, so happy holidays to you both. Here we are in, in Christmas week. Yes, yeah. I know. I I can't believe we're we're here. It came kind of fast, but um I have my pink, my hot pink Christmas tree up. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Well, I have my Disney tree up. Oh. Yes. Every ornament has been purchased. Well, almost every ornament has been purchased at either the Disney store or the Disney parks itself. Wow. Ah. Yes. It's 10 yeah, feet uh, tall. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jealous. Joey, I'm going to send uh, Jason a picture, okay? <clears throat> no, God, don't send him a picture. He'll buy another tree. <laughs> we have uh, three trees in our house. Um, we have the Disney tree next to the... 10-foot-long table with the Christmas village. Mm. Um, I didn't... Uh, one of my friends at our Christmas party found... Um, he called it a bathhouse Christmas village scene where it was like a guy poking his head out of, like, uh, like you know, a wooden sauna. Like, you know, something... Would be oh, a- my God. So I called it a gay bathhouse. Like, and I bought it, and I put it on the table where the Christmas tree village is, and Jason did not find it for four days. <laughs> <laughs> hey Jason, do you see anything different with it? And then he was like, "Did you put something gay on in the village?" Uh, so yeah, there's the Disney tree. Um, I'm calling it the pop culture tree because it, I mean everybody knows probably that I'm a big Harry Potter fan, but I've been really uh, ashamed of uh, you know J.K. Rowling's piece of transphobic garbage, and I hate her, and I don't want to give her any money. But we have a whole bunch of like you know how much Harry Potter shit I have in my house, so it's that's um. I started calling it the, like a, I don't know. I was like, don't judge it. It's not a transphobic tree. It just has a lot of Harry Potter shit on it. And then we bought a, uh, another tree. How many trees do you have? Three. There are three. Wow. And there's the, the gay tree just has like shirtless male mermaid ornaments on it. I'll say. <laughs> wow. That's like a thing. It's like a, you know, anybody gay, like I'm sure Kevin, Kevin Dillon still listens to our podcast. If you knew the, gamer man ornament he probably knows he's probably gonna message me tomorrow and be like i have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> um, it has like golden girls and uh shirtless oh is this the one with uh it's got your star on top my of it star. i was wondering I, about that yeah so every year i decided because we didn't have a, a rainbow or anything star i was like every year i'm going to take probably the movie that gay film twitter is obsessed with and put it on the top of the tree well that's the gay thing. But I don't think anything could be as perfect as the tar star. I no. Think. I love it. I was impressed. 
I uh, I was simultaneously impressed and rolled my eyes deeply. <laughs> I mean, I think Clarence was like, "Dude, are you fucking kidding me?" <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was uh, great. Oh, it's kudos! Funny. It's very funny. Joey is very witty with his uh, stuff, and I just go uh, for cheap puns. It's fine. Yeah. Well, one of the funniest things that has happened in 2022 was when he realized that someone else had a uh, an actress Oscar's bathroom, and that <gasps> it was better than his. <laughs> <laughs> I liked my mine has more restraint. I have a wall <laughs> framed best actress winners. And then I saw this one person. So I was very impressed with it. It was like a that's a half bath off of our of our kitchen. But this one had he has like 50 pictures of varying sizes. That motherfucking homosexual stole my idea and did it better than me. <laughs> but did he order an Oscar? puzzle from the Oscar museum, build it and then glue it to a thing and then frame it. No, he did not. So, yep. That's how sad I am. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers. So what are you guys doing to, uh, to prepare for Christmas in terms of like, what's your go-to Christmas movie? What's your, what's your, uh, what gets Mm. you in the mood? You know, I know Joey, you watch all of them because you're married to the spirit of Christmas himself, but, um, you know, Megan, we'll start with you. What is what is your go-to Christmas movie? Well, I love The Holiday Inn, and I enjoy watching oh. that with my parents every year. Um, and I also like to watch White Christmas with them and Christmas in Connecticut. So I really like to go uh, way back for mm-hmm. those old movies. And I also, a new tradition my dad and I started in 2020 was watching um, Mystery Science Theater's uh, Santa Claus Conquers the Martians which he told me he watched actually as a kid with his parents in the theater. Uh, so I always like to remind him of that. But um, those are ones that I really love. I love The Muppet Christmas Carol, too, which I haven't watched yet this year. Um, but those are the ones that I'm I'm going home on Saturday. And I really look forward to um, I'm gonna aiming to go in the morning and, and watch all those movies with them all day. Nice. Uh, Joey, what about you? Um, I think I lean more towards like the, I don't say like modern stupid comedy movies. Like I, I like, um, uh, I mean, National Lampoon is probably my favorite Christmas movie. Um, but I also like my, my favorite thing to watch that I can, I always make Jason watch it first, probably because he wants to get out of the way is I really like watching Pee-wee's Christmas, Pee-wee's Playhouse Christmas special. Um, it's like 30 Wait, minutes. which one is that? Uh, it's the one that like has all the guest stars on it, like Katie Lang and Grace Jones and and uh, Annette Funicello. And... Is this the one from like the 80s? Yeah, I have a DVD of that shit. I the one it. where they have like the band that they sing, um, they do a, a tribute to... Um... It's Phil Hartman's in it too? No. Okay, you're not. I'm not thinking of the same one. There is a Pee-wee. There's one with guest stars from the '80s and like Phil Hartman's in it, and it was on HBO. And like my parents would watch that all the time. So that's I don't know if Phil Hartman is in it. No, this is the one. It's mine. The one that I watch is from 1988. Um, maybe it was one of his first ones. Maybe he did it more than once, and maybe I'm thinking of a different one than you are. But um, no, all these like famous people come to the playhouse and um, you know, do stuff like. Shares there, Oprah Winfrey pops up, Dinah Shore sings 12 Days of Christmas. 
um, all that. So I love that movie. And then I love, um, I don't know. I, I love stuff like the holiday or I love like, I do love the holiday. That's really bad. Like I love, even though I, I don't like it is uh jingle all the way. Oh, really? It's so stupid. Every time, every year I watch it, I was like the little kid who ended up being the little horrible Anakin Skywalker. He's better than uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger in it. But I also really like watching movies that are set at Christmas, not just Christmas movies. Like I really like watching just friends. I really like watching eyes wide shut. I really love um, the night before, um, but I also really love. Uh, I think Muppets Christmas Carol is the definitive Christmas Carol in my personal opinion. I'm watched. going to send you at some point the Pee Wee Herman ep- the special was on HBO and it's from 1981, and um, this is the one that my parents used to always show me, and I believe it has like they do like a um, it, it is with. Um, like oh Edie McClurg's in it like it's got it's got doesn't have as big of names I guess the but like as Phil Hartman and um it it's like something that I used to watch and um they do a, a tribute like the Jelly Donuts is this band that shows up and they do a tribute to um Fly in the Family Stone that's really good so um you should watch you, it I think it's on HBO you, men- you mentioned three movies at Holiday Inn. What are the other two? in Connecticut. And White Christmas. Christmas. I've never, like, White Christmas I've never is seen... like the worst, but I like to watch it to make fun of it with my dad. Christmas in Connecticut is amazing, and I love I've never it. seen that. <gasps> it's Barbara Stanwyck, and they could they could like remake it for today, where she's like this writer for a magazine who is single and doesn't have a family, but she pretends to be married in a farmhouse in Connecticut. So then, um, <laughs> it's like during World War Two, and like soldiers are coming home and one of the soldiers is like all i really wanted like he like writes in or something all i really want to do is have a home-cooked meal from by this writer and her house and everything mm-hmm. and like so she's got to like pretend that she's married and all of this but she falls in love with the soldier oh it's so good i love it did you, have you seen the uh remake with no who was in it i did Don, look isn't it up arnold schwarzenegger didn't he direct it or Christmas in Connecticut? Yeah, there was... There was oh, it's check. Diane Cannon? Diane Cannon, yeah. Person? What? Tony Curtis. That was like 1992. Oh, Chris Christopherson? Oh, Arnold Schwarzenegger did direct it. That's so weird. That is I've bizarre. never heard of that. No, I remember seeing that poster, and that is a very um, photoshopped poster that I'm seeing on IMDb. Now maybe I should watch the um, the remake. Tony Curtis is in it too. Richard Roundtree. Well, I know Clarence really loves Christmas. Like, sure. I feel like if Clarence answered this question, he'd probably say peanuts. Peanuts? Yes, I would. Um, first, I thought you said penis. I'm like, no. <laughs> um, peanuts. Yes. Peanuts. Uh, yes. Pe- it, it's it's uh, absolutely peanuts. It's um. It's also like the old Rankin Bass stuff, like uh, Rudolph um, and Santa Claus coming to town. We have not watched the one with Heat Miser and Cold Miser yet, which is one of my favorites, um, just because it's so freaking weird. Um, but I also, we last night we watched It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, that's um, such a good one, too. It really is. I used to hate it. And then, uh, I don't know, I think the old, like, I, I, I don't think it's a movie that you can watch with a young perspective like you have to have a little bit right. of time under your belt to really um for it to really sink in with me at least but i uh we have watched well, so we watch new stuff we watch home alone elf all that stuff um new this year i did see 
the Christmas story, a Christmas story, Christmas, the sequel. Oh, is that any good? Uh, it is very depressing. Um, really? Great. It is not funny. Um, yeah. And there's, Why there's, did they there are do two it? Funny scenes in it? I don't know. It's very, it's, it, we're never going to get away from member berries. Um, Right. But that's what it is. It's like, you liked Christmas Story. Watch this. It's just like Christmas Story, but sadder. <laughs> You're oh. melancholy and in your 40s. Watch this. <laughs> well, I think it's uh, like, I think the only person who isn't in it is Melinda Dillon. Is She's Melinda, a, well, and obviously Ralph Gowlin, who is dead. Yeah, yeah. Um, Melinda Dillon isn't acting anymore. Yeah. Um, but I like Julie Haggerty. So she replaced, I, I love Julie Haggerty, but. Um, yeah, I love, um, I'm not as huge of, uh, I always thought that Rudolph, I like some parts of Rudolph, but I think I hate Rudolph because my brother, those are my brother's favorite Christmas things to watch. And I think I just automatically hated everything he liked. But then, um, every time I watch it now, I was like, God, Rudolph, you're such a fag. I don't know. (laughs) Oh, no, that's, uh, Herbie, the dentist. I'm a dentist. He's a homosexual. He is. Like, I want to be in people's mouths. Hey. (laughs) Um, So my burlesque show last night, um, somebody, uh, one of my, my, I don't know what you call castmates. I don't know. uh, Members of the group did a Herbie uh, number. Very cool. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, what else did we watch? I, I, uh, there was one thing I wanted to see when we watched for some reason, four Christmases has made it into our rotation. It keeps popping up and I, I've only seen it once and I hated it. And I was like, should I watch it again? Yeah. It's it. That's the thing though, with Christmas movies, it's they, when they come out, they are not good, but they are marketed at you year after year after year. And they just all of a sudden become quote unquote, a holiday classic. (laughs) You know, it's because it's just this, this, just inundated and they're just relentlessly pushed down your throat. And so, uh, I guess four Christmases, I mean, it has some good stuff in it, but it is not a good movie. Um, but I want to watch, uh, last Christmas. I think I have avoided that for two years. I think it's fun. Get some booze ready. That's an experience, (laughs) but we haven't watched, um, We've seen three versions of A Christmas Carol now. We've seen the one with Patrick Stewart. We've seen Spirited. And we've seen Mickey's Christmas Carol. Um, Did we watch another one? Uh, No, I guess that's it. But we need to watch the Dorsey Scott one. That's my wife's favorite. We do. um, We Now what I do is I separate the credit. We take all the Christmas movies off the shelves. And I'm like, these are the ones. Please watch them without me. I can't watch them. I I can Mm -hmm. only do like three versions of Christmas Carol a year. And we have like, honestly, like six of them. Um, and uh, we just saw, we just saw Elf the musical on stage this past weekend. Yeah, that was a show. Um, I saw you get, ma- you get angry with someone. Oh, it was like, uh, so we were in, we, we sat down and these two couples sat down next to us. And I know uh, one of the, my biggest pet peeves is when um, people don't have, like, they don't go to the theater enough that they have theater etiquette. Um, I mean, I've gone to, like, some 
pretentious, but I've basically gone to like theater and variations of theater my entire life. So like, I know like the two, it was a guy and a, two, you know, straight couples sitting next to us. And like the whole time they were just talking really loudly. They were like, um, the first act, they had like these huge cans of beer. They were just chugging them the whole time. They were like checking their phones. They were like, uh, the, and, uh, <laughs> this, I'm not sure if they were kidding it up. She's like, when's halftime? I wonder how long it is until halftime. I kill myself. And, uh, they left after the first act. And so I took their seats. They sat on the aisle and my husband is very tall. Um, so yeah. And they were just, I don't know. They're like, I don't, I understand. Like, if you don't like something, you don't have to be a dickhead to people. And I hate when people, uh, another thing I really hate is when people leave the theater during curtain call. I think that's so unbelievably rude. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the old saying, uh, from age of innocence and uh, it's not an old saying, it's just something that is in the book and in the movie actually is widely known, but never acknowledged that Americans like to get uh, away from amusement almost as much as they like to get to it. <laughs> That's true. Very it true. is true because I'm in a bad out of hell trying to get to a movie and then I'm bad out of hell trying to leave it as soon as it's <laughs> yeah. over. Yeah. I just, um, I am starting to just like, um, I was standing, you know, we're on the aisle and I, I just ended up like, I was standing there clapping and I'm like, you're an asshole, like full voice. I don't even care. I don't even care. I just think it's rude to the people on stage, but whatever. So, um, well, I hope uh, both of you have, a, of course, I'll be talking to both of you before Christmas, but I hope, hope you both have a fantastic uh, holiday weekend and uh, and hope all of our listeners do as well. Um, this has been kind of a, a lackadaisical introduction to what we're going to talk about very quickly today. Joey has been diligently updating the spreadsheet for the uh, Fantasy Oscar a contest between the three of us. And uh, so he's going to update us on the standings. And um, and then we're going to talk very briefly about Babylon, which opens in theaters this Friday. We have all seen it. And, um, and I think we've talked about it a little bit here and there, but I think we kind of wanted to to do a little bit more of a deep dive into what we liked, what we didn't like and uh, about this, uh, this film. And then, of course, we'll close with the flash forward to the media we're most anticipating the upcoming week. So, Joey... Why don't you kick it off and tell us all about who is winning at this point in the fantasy Oscar race? Sure. So um, a lot of critics groups are coming out, like even a lot of regional things, like, you know, the Phoenix Circle film critics, whatever, this, that, and the other. There are a lot of groups out there. Um, so it turns out, I want to start with, uh, it, I wanted to say, Everyone's entry on the uh, in their you know picks. I wanted to just on a positive note start with what everyone's biggest MVP is. So uh, Clarence, I will say you are very lucky that you have everything everywhere all at once because that is sort of destroying everything um, everywhere all at once. <laughs> that's and your I have Michelle Yeoh and Kate Blanchett. Yeah, go fuck yourself. And because who doesn't win one usually wins the, the other one yeah. wins. But I will actually also say in the second round, no, the first round, you picked Colin Farrell. And Colin Farrell and Kate Blanchett right now have the same amount of points because they both keep oh, winning. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's for Clarence. Um, Megan, your highest performing movie highest performing movie is Women Talking, and your highest performing performer is Daniel Deadweiler for Till. Oh, um, interesting. 
Megan is the one who did not, who only did one swap. And I think that was a good swap because you picked up Dolly DeLeon for Triangle of Sadness. She started picking up a bunch of critic stuff like right around the time that we did the trade. So that was a good call. And then I guess for my stuff, uh, my highest performer is uh, Keiki Kwan for Everything Ever All at Once. And um, thank God I picked Banshees and Pinocchio because they gave me a lot of points. So in first place is Clarence. Clarence is ahead with 745. I am, I was going to say right behind him. I'm a good 100 points behind him with 640. And then Megan is coming in third at 420 points. Da, 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 da. Now, is there any chance I could win at all or no? But the thing is, I will say across the board, I think there isn't like a stinker in here. I will say the only people, because we all get rid of a lot of stuff, um, but I think Clarence probably should have kept Brad Pitt from Babylon. I understand yeah. the reasons why, but I feel like he's picking up stuff. And Marcel Michel started picking up points. Yep. Uh, Megan, your lowest performer is Adam Driver for White Noise. He hasn't been, uh, he hasn't won anything. Yeah. Uh, but he did get a nomination at Golden Globes. I haven't put Golden Globes in here yet. Um, I'm like, I'm, I have like five or six more things to edit. Um, and then like Olivia Coleman on my side, she has five points. Who knew? Five points. But yeah, oh. I think, um, yeah. And I'm actually really surprised that, uh, like Janelle Monet is racking up good stuff for Clarence. Um, Megan's trying to pick up some stuff. I mean, Megan, you can pick up a lot of stuff when Brendan Fraser starts, you know, winning stuff. I don't think that, um, you know, there's always that thing where people always say they're the, the critics awards and then it sort of like flips and then it turns into the televised stuff and a lot of other stuff starts winning. So I'm not saying that you are like out of here. I think you've, you, I think you picked a lot of people that are, uh, doing pretty well in terms of nominations wise. Everyone is pretty solid and who knows, like Margot Robbie could start picking up a lot more stuff. Ben Wishaw could pick up a lot more stuff. I mean, I'm surprised that, um, in terms of point tally, Michelle Williams is probably going to start picking up some stuff too. I mean, who knows? Who the heck? Yeah, thank I wish you I'd... for that update. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd kept. Um, I do wish I'd kept Brad Pitt. I'm happy that I picked up Barry Keegan, but I um, I shouldn't have gone with my heart and with the Anthony Hopkins for Armageddon time knowing that that movie just basically did absolutely nothing at the box office and, and no one is really talking about it, unfortunately. Um, and I wish I hadn't kept uh, Gene Smart, although I don't really remember who else was out there to, predict, to, to pick up. That's the thing you have to remember is there's, when you make that initial cut that we did, we, we, we took a lot of major contenders that first round. So. Yeah, and there's a lot of these regional things. Like they've they've picked up a lot of smaller stuff. Like I didn't think that I almost got rid of Angela Bassett for Black Panther, but then she started picking up stuff, and I have like I'm nipping it Megan's heels with like like uh, Michelle Williams has a lot of nominations, but Angela Bassett's picking up stuff too. So I'm I'm coming yeah. out. 
I'm really surprised that decision to leave isn't like there's a there's a big split on international feature with critics. I really thought that decision to leave was sort of, was going to sort of wipe the floor with it with critics, but um, it's not happening because you're you're seeing um, close is in there a lot. Or um, EO, all, yeah, EO for sure. Um, so I think yeah, I think it's a good year for international films. I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm sure everyone says that every year because I mean. Um, I'm a stupid American, so I'm sure there is a lot of really good stuff out there every year, but also I feel like this, it's not every, every critics group, it's almost something different every single time. Yeah. And, uh, the international feature lineup, I think we talked about this last week, the international feature lineup at the Globes, I think is one of the best I've ever seen between all quiet and Argentina, close decision to leave and RRR. Um, those are five outstanding movies yeah yeah I agree. um very cool it's it's interesting none of us have none of us have avatar as a picture right no yeah. none of us um i think i i re-listened to the the podcast and i said you know i was surprised that no one none of us picked it but i feel like at that point no one knew what it was yeah the problem with that is it's not Picking Avatar, I mean, it's going to get nominated, and it has been nominated at at, at broader groups, but it doesn't, you know, it, it wasn't going to win any critics, and it's probably not going to win Best Picture. So there's not a whole lot of opportunity to pick up points when we're only focusing on the picture itself. Like if we if we had crafts one year, if we expanded to like production design or you know visual yeah. effects, then yeah, we we absolutely would have grabbed that. Um, but uh, yeah, interesting. All right. Well, thank you for the update, as Megan said. Um, let's jump to a quick conversation about Babylon. Megan, do you want to talk about Babylon since I think you're the, the one to have seen it last? Sure. Um, so Babylon is from director Damien Chazelle of uh, Whiplash and La La Land uh, fame, I guess you could say. Um, and it's it takes place... Um, around it's 1920s and um, right around the time where there were silent movies and the switch over to uh, uh, sound pictures. Um, so, but there's a lot more going on with that. There's we have uh, Brad Pitt is Jack Conrad, this like debonair movie star who's like trying to speak Italian all the time for some reason. And he's dealing with this evolution in film. And then there's also Margot Robbie's um, Nellie. Oh, wait, what is her last name? Leroy. Nellie Leroy, who's like trying to break into it. And um, and then there's also Manny Torres, uh, played by Diego Calva, who uh, is somebody who works for one of the executives who kind of breaks into the business. Um, and it's... That's yeah. That's kind of the. I mean, I guess that's kind of the, the basics of it. But um, yeah. So I think around the board, we all liked Babylon, correct? Yeah, I I did. I think it's like I liked it so much more than La La Land. Like, um, it's really it's shot really well. Um, there's a lot to like about it. I think the performances are good. Uh, um, I really, I liked it a lot more than La La Land. That's what I'll say. Joey, what about you? Cause I know when I talked to you after you saw it, you were a little like, I don't know what I just saw. 
<laughs> so I saw it at a press screening and the there's always this really nice guy who anytime I get fortunate enough to go to a press screening, he was like, so what did you think? And he, I don't know if he like, he has a little notepad, but I don't know if he writes down anything I say, but um, I said, I thought it was, I said, I think it was exhausting, but also very exhilarating. I thought there were moments that were, I was like laughing a lot and I was really floored by it. And I thought that, um, you know, a lot of things about the movie making process I thought were really fucking great. Um, I'm sure Clarence is going to, you know, say something about, I think we'll talk about it, but there's a, a sequence that I really love with Margot Robbie. Um, and I think Margot Robbie is great in it. I think that I think, uh, I, I think Brad Pitt does a really good job in a part that. Um, is very, very sad. And um, I know I'm just talking about the performance. I'm not talking about people like, but Brad Pitt, whatever, you know what I mean. But um, I think it's a really, you know, well-made movie in terms of like a lot of the crafts. Um, I think the costumes are stunning. I think the production design is really great when they allow you to look at the production design. Um, I thought Jean's, I thought Jean Smart was good. Like I wanted her to, I saw, I saw somebody saying like, there's a big monologue near the end of the film. And I was like, oh, it's a really obvious thing. And I was like, all right, but shut up. I don't care. <laughs> I loved her monologue. I thought, I actually, like, I wish I wish the film yeah. would have leaned more into that because I feel like that's... I thought that was fascinating. I thought that was really fascinating. And I feel like it, it doesn't lean into it until like the very end. And it could have been something that was there the whole time. And I feel like it, it just kind of shows up at the yeah. end. Yeah. Um, but like, I, I think the section that I really didn't like was, uh, I guess I'll just call it the Tobey Maguire section. I didn't like, I just didn't like that part. Um, I think that we all sort of called it the Boogie Nights. Um, I can't remember. I, I don't know if it's like on purpose to be like a Boogie Nights sort of sequence. Um, I just thought that part felt like it was from a different movie and it was also like, oh, we need to. And I think that a lot of people I think are talking about how Diego Calva isn't getting a lot of, not saying getting a lot of press, but I feel like they are leaning more into the big stars and the, than the smaller names. But I think the part, the way it's written, it's, it's a very observant part and it's a very, it's not, I wouldn't say passive. That's not the right word, but it's, it's, it's um, the movie doesn't really give him a lot to do except sort of, react to a lot of stuff that Margot Robbie is doing. So I think they're not necessarily just leaning into the big movie stars. I think they're leaning into like the bigger personalities almost in the film so far. I mean, he's good. I'm not saying he's bad at all. He's, he's good in the movie. Um, but yeah, I, I, I will say a, a good metric for me is uh, how much I think about the movie later. And I've, I've thought about this movie every day since I've seen it. I have too. It's been something that's stuck in in my head, and um, I feel like it's got a lot of good ideas that are kind of kind of they just put in a blender and and mixed it up. But I, I would have liked to have seen it differently edited. When we're done recording, I need to ask Clarence your opinion. So I'm trying to be very proactive this year on my Oscar party planning. Then I need your opinion on Oscar menu movie ideas. Just yeah. All right. I will make a note of that. <laughs> but I know that Clarence is a huge fan of this movie, so I want to hear what yeah. about it. Well, I love big swing movies. I like I like movies that are just hugely ambitious. Like, you know, 
I think, um, I think that in a way, this is Damien Chazelle's apocalypse now where, and I'm not, I'm not saying that Babylon is as classic as apocalypse. Now, what I'm saying is this is his Coke movie. This is his craziness movie. This is his yeah. getting that out of his system. Francis Ford Coppola made a, a couple of those. Like he, he made that, uh, um, not like manic and, and, you know, rapid fire edited version of that, but he's made, you know, one from the heart is a kind of his own mm. personal swing at, at old school movie, uh, musical making. Um, and then of course he's got apocalypse now, which is, you know, his gonzo take on a war film. And in a way, um, this is Damien Chazelle's gonzo take on, uh, filmmaking. And I think it's, I think you, you kind of have to, I look at it more less in terms of traditional things like character development, like storyline, um, you know, it, it's not tar, right? It's not subtle. It doesn't mm -hmm. have, um, you know, just, just painstakingly well-constructed, not painstakingly, but just extraordinarily well-constructed, um, sequences that, that infer the character that tell you about these people. It's, it's, if they want you to know something about a character, they are going to show you immediately. They're not going to, there's no new in your face. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, that's just something that I have always loved. Like I am, I'm, I'm not a, a, a you know, I love subtle films, but I also love big picture films and, you know, stuff like, uh, Nashville is definitely one of those. Although you can argue that there's a lot of subtleties there too. Um, Boogie Nights, um, Apocalypse Now, these are all sort of in, you know, grandparents, uh, to, um, to Babylon. Um, so I look at it from a, a 50,000 view. I know that you probably look at it closely. If you look at each individual piece, they're probably not all that great. Although there are two set pieces, I would argue are definitely the best things that Damien Chazelle has ever directed. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I loved it. I, I, three hours flew by for me. I couldn't take my eyes off the screen. I was excited with everything I saw. I didn't mind the, um, the sort of the boogie night sequence, uh, at the end, uh, you know, it's, 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 uh, Damien Chazelle saying that Hollywood is essentially the, uh, you know, the, it's almost like, um, at that point, Diego Calva's character gets involved in a situation and he descends, literally descends into this, <laughs> um, really weird party. And we'll just call it that. Um, but it's almost like, you know, Dante's Inferno at that point, right? It's the different levels of hell. Um, I'm sorry. It's just they're here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just, I really loved it. Um, but I, you know, the, the two sequences I'm talking about. So the, essentially, as Megan has described, this, this film is loosely about the transition between silent to sound films. And there is a gonzo sequence where he films a how sound pictures were made back in the day with you know all kinds of crazy things going on because they didn't have sound so they didn't have to worry about overlapping noise so they're just you know on one hand they're filming a sand sword, sword and sandal epic and another one they're doing like a cowboy movie uh, with a saloon and margot robbie is just fantastic in this sequence um it, it's all of it's just chaotic and and noise and 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 just um really gives you a sense of this was for all its faults, just a manically wonderful era of Hollywood filmmaking because it's, it's, it's original. People were just 
you know, thriving in it. Um, and then when it goes to sound, obviously not everybody can thrive in that environment, right? Because it's, you all of a sudden have to talk. You have to, you have to, you're not acting with your face. You're acting with your mouth and your voice as well. Um, but the second, yeah. I think the best sequence in the film is the sequence that you, that you referenced, Joey, which is Margot Robbie's character, Nelly Leroy, <laughs> uh, <laughs> has to film a, uh, her first sound, uh, take. And, um, it, it is, the anxiety and the tension that Chazelle builds in that sequence is like filmmaking 101, like the editing, the sound design, the cost, the, the, the performances, the, the modulation, the editing, it all works together just so brilliantly. And it just, I was floored by that sequence. I mean, it's like, it goes on for like 15 or 20 minutes. I, I just couldn't believe how great it was. I'm like, this is the guy that made La La Land. <laughs> he is doing this and he could have done this all along. That is a really great sequence. My one thing about it that like I didn't quite understand is that I I don't get the world where Margot Robbie's Nelly character does. I mean, if she doesn't know her lines, that's one thing. But like they mentioned later on that like her voice is squeaky, but they don't really. But that's not like a part of the problem. I don't know. I, I feel like her character and I think you kind of said this before, too, that her character is kind of underdeveloped. Yeah, I mean they're all archetypes, right? Yeah. Um, hers, you know, hers is the one who I least know, though. I feel like of all of them. Agreed. I mean, she's you know you don't you don't you don't you barely have any kind of backstory. I mean, you know, Eric Roberts plays her father, and and there's something weird going on there um, because no scene that they have together it, where they act like father and daughter. It is all very. I'm not. It it, it has a. There is no incest in the film, but it has an incestuous feel to it. I don't know if you guys picked up on that. But oh, it, I didn't pick up on that, but I wondered if they were maybe grifters. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, and I'm not saying that that she's sleeping with her father. That is not at all what I'm saying. But there's there's an inappropriate or not exactly above board relationship between the two of them. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, you just don't get very much. I mean, and D Diego Calva's Manny Torres is essentially the wide-eyed uh, figure who wanders through the whole thing, just reacting in wonder to everything he sees around him. And then, you know, they all have falls, you know, because, you know, it is Babylon, right? So there's a rise uh -huh. and a fall. And uh, he's the one that kind of lands on his feet, spoiler alert. But, um, you know, it's... Uh, I like the archetypes. I'm not, I'm not in this particularly. I mean, I think the performances are, I think Brad Pitt probably gives one of the best performances, if not the best. He's great. He, All of the performances were really good. Like, yeah. um, even creepy Toby Maguire's, you know, Oh yeah, he goes for it. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I mean, the thing about it is it's, it's also just like the sequence early on in the film when Margaret, not even just the party scene, like the party scene, I think is, that's what I think a lot of people may be expecting the whole movie is going to be. But the sequence when she goes to the set for the first time and she's walking around and it's sort of like, it feels like, you know, 18 different scenes were being filmed at once and everyone is on and everyone is screaming and everyone is just trying to get shit done as fast as they possibly can. And I thought that was thrilling. And the, the the part where sort of going along with what you're saying about movies getting made, and also I really like seeing how the people were so excited to create things and so excited to have the opportunity to think on their feet like that. 
in one section when they can do whatever they want. But then when they add the element of sound, it's sort of like it's it's they have to hone in in a completely different way. And the way that people approach their craft and their their art, they have to approach it completely differently. And I feel like I thought that was fascinating to me. I don't know. There's in a movie like this, there's just there's so much to it that there's you may not like the whole film. And I understand it's a divisive film and it's not certainly for everybody. And and some people do appreciate the art of nuance, which this film doesn't have at all. I will fully admit that. Um, But there's at least something in there that uh, I would argue that that someone you will find something that you like in this film. It's not you may not like the film overall but there is something in there that you'll say yes i i enjoyed that and and you know all the 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 filmmaking aspects behind it i think are top notch i think this movie is so much more nuanced though than la la land i think that one was even more like here's like it was so and i'm gonna get letters for this it was (laughs) basic it was just so basic basic. like whereas this one i appreciate the fact that (laughs) It is so stylish. It's so different. And uh, I mean, I think that that opening sequence of the party is just like there's probably stuff that I missed watching it the first time that I'll catch like 12 times after, you know, like there's so much to absorb. And it was really kind of overwhelming in a good way. But I um, yeah, I, I'm not to compare it to Lolly, but I just feel like you really have seen him, um, I guess, mature as a director with this. Yeah, and that and uh, First Man, um, a film. Yeah, that was also, and that's also completely different than than everything else he's done. Yeah, um, one thing, the last thing I sort of wanted to say, my uh, my official review of it will drop on the site on Wednesday, but um, and I'm still working through that. But the uh, the other thing that I will say that I truly loved about this film was the soundtrack. By, oh yeah, uh, I do too. Horowitz is the score is astoundingly great. So. Even though Joey and I have little quibbles about, like, he does like to use the same musical phrases that, like, I was like, oh, La La Land. <laughs> I kept hearing it. Oh, right, because you said he used uh, La La Land cues in First Man. Yeah, that. like, I can just hear it. And I don't know if it's just because, I don't know, because I studied music, but... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just hear it. But I also freaking love this score. Like I was listening to it. It just like gets you moving and stuff. And I also like how it incorporates like a bit of modern music in it. Oh, yeah. in it. Um, like the kind of like almost like a dance beat that you'd hear at a club. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I really I really like music. I got to interview him, um, Justin Hurwitz. And uh, in the interview, he talked about um, the fact that they they absolutely did not. They wanted a period specific score that wasn't traditional jazz music, right? They wanted to use period instruments, but play them in unique ways. Um, mm. And I thought that was really interesting. I that mean, is really interesting. And it totally works. Like it, it, it 100%. totally, it gives you a good vibe. Like with that, I know a lot of people, like a lot of movies and TV shows right now are using like modern music in, in shows that take place or movies that take place in the past. But this worked in like a weird way where it felt like fresh and fun and also nostalgic. And I really like it. One of the things that I loved about the score was, and I talked to him about this was in, in like in, in Voodoo Mama, the, the initial sort of, yeah. um, 
I the, listen to that every day. <laughs> yeah, the single from it, if you will, if a, if a score can have a single. Um, it uh, There are moments of that where I ex- my ear expects the music to sort of change in tone a little bit, but he keeps notes going about three beats longer than they traditionally should. Like if, if and I, I don't know, there's just, it, it's, it's almost like he's trying to make you feel insane while you're listening to it. And I think uh-huh. just, it works beautifully. I'll have to re-listen to it. I've been listening to the, um, what's the other one that dropped on Spotify that I say it's Manny. Joey and I's theme song for when we're mischievous together. Well, there's the Manny uh, one. That that was the other one that dropped. I can't, that's the one that I think is Joey and I. That's our theme song. <laughs> nice. Um, also, did you know that uh, uh, Justin Hurwitz had written an episode of The Simpsons? No, that no. is so cool. Yeah, he wrote... Uh, the Falcon and the Doman in 2011. Oh, that's so awesome. It's the, what happened? Uh, Ned and, and Ed, Ned and Edna Krabappel start dating. Oh God. Oh, I've seen that one. That was an interesting one. Um, yeah. Anything else on Babylon? No. no, I think it's, um, yeah, I just think it's, it's something that like, you know, you, I do think my initial reaction of being like, what did I just watch? And I think I would feel the same way watching it. <laughs> like, what did I just watch? But that it's also like, so exciting. It was exciting to see something like, even though I know it's about like storylines from the artist and singing in the rain, but it felt fresh and new and, and an interesting side of, of that story that i that I really I made me want to go and read more about that time period. Yeah, and 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 after a couple of years of very good but very small films like Nomadland, like Coda, it's great to see something like Avatar and Babylon out there again where you you got you should go to the theater and see them on big screens because they are big swing, big experience movies. Um, I think there I should be a place agree. for both. I 100% <laughs> agree. Okay. Uh, let's flash forward to the media we're most anticipating in the upcoming week. Uh, so, Joey, why don't you go first? Sure. Um, I want to say that I got into a playful argument with my husband because I said we're, we have three movies left. We've never watched all of the Christmas movies we own in one year because... We literally have to start watching them in November, like November 1st, because we have that many of them. And I was just like, I would really love to watch some of the screeners that I would like to watch. And he was just like, this is my time of year. And I was like, yeah, it's my time of year too, to watch all these fucking, I'm determined. I have like, I work, I work today and tomorrow, and then I'm off until the 26th. And then I work the 26th and the 27th. And then I'm off until like January 3rd. So it is going to be all screeners all the time. But the one movie that I'm going to go to the theater to go see, I can't believe I'm going to say this, is I'm going to go see I Want to Dance with Somebody because, because, no, I do not want to give those, those uh, the, the screenwriters any money, but I want to give Casey Levin's money because I love Eve's Bayou. And yeah. um, mm-hmm. I think, I, I mean, I fucking love Whitney Houston. And I don't think I've heard anyone has seen this movie. And I'm pretty sure it's probably really bad. Because Actually, no one has seen it. Uh, people have seen it. 
And I have seen little bits and things that that I've not seen a bad reaction (gasps) from the handful of people who have seen it, which is strange because, um, yeah, it's strange though, because if this movie went from Naomi Aki could be one of the five best actress contenders and potentially win because of the trajectory of people playing real life, um, singers winning Oscars, um, to, it's a week before the release and there's no reviews, no screenings. They didn't even give it to broadcast films, to the critics choice, to HCA. They didn't give it to anybody. Like what? The I don't know if they're trying to like, cause my initial thought was that they think the movie is bad and they don't want the press to hurt the movie around the holiday season. But I guess bad press didn't hurt or bad reviews didn't hurt Bohemian Rhapsody. It won like four Oscars. So what the hell do I know? Um, and also, I'm getting. I hate that they changed the title. It, that drives me crazy. That they wait. Did that. What is it now? Okay, it was originally "I Want to Dance with Somebody." Now the title is Whitney Houston. I want to dance with somebody. I thought that was a rumor. I didn't realize that no, was true. No, that's a true. Story. Oh no, that is a true thing. If you go on to, uh, I want to say, if you go on to IMDb, let's see, I don't know, but. I want to see it just because I like everyone in it. Like Stanley Tucci's Clive Davis and Ashton Sanders from, you know, Moonlight. He's playing Bobby Brown. And I don't want a movie about Whitney Houston to be bad. Cause I love Whitney Houston, but I'm just like, what? Give me, give me the movie. I want to see it. So that's what I want to see. So screeners and Whitney Houston. Megan, what about you? Um, I would like to watch some holiday movies that I mentioned earlier. Um, I would like to get to some screeners too. Um, and basically just relax a little bit. I feel like I've been running around like crazy. I'd like to finish my Louis Anderson book and maybe watch some baskets afterwards because it makes me miss him. And, um, yeah, I think that's mostly what I'm looking forward to this week. I have a hugely ambitious list of things that I want to do, uh, of media that I want to consume over the next week. And I, 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 uh, I know that it's not going to happen, but um, I'm going to put it out there as if it is. I also want to see I Want to Dance with Somebody. Um, I am planning to go to the theater to see Babylon um, on the big screen. I want to see Avatar again. Um, I am going to rewatch. Oh, I love Avatar. I love it so much. Uh, I do need to see that, too. That's also on my list. Oh, yeah. Um, and you definitely have to see it in 3D. Um, I'm sorry. I know you may not like 3D, but it, this this needs to be seen in 3D. I yeah, really would I like know. to get my own prescription 3D glasses so I can come in and be like, I'm not paying for them. I've got my own thing. <laughs> do they make those? No, I just want to do that. I will say it was, I haven't worn my 3D, gla- in 3D glasses in a movie for so long. So yeah. these gigantic metal things on my face, I looked like even more like the biggest asshole in the world. So, <laughs> I never have to do I would love to see Megan walk into a theater and be like, no, thanks. I have my own. And they're like on a chain around her neck. Yes. <laughs> yes. How Gloria Bell. Yeah. Yes. Um, I you're re- like, yes, all the things. Yes. <laughs> I also want to rewatch the Fablemans and uh, everything everywhere all at once. Um, and uh, maybe some other screeners too, but, but I'm trying to be as realistic as possible. Although that, that is a hefty list. Um, considering at least two of those movies are uh, th- over three hours long. One of them's two and a half. So that's a lot of movie watching. 
Uh, TV, I need to catch up to the White Lotus, um, which I have still managed to avoid most spoilers. I did oh. one thing, but uh, just I'm just off Twitter. So, um, and I am uh, embarking on uh, the rewatch of Game of Thrones with my son. Um, we watched another episode today. We're that probably is running quite the endeavor. Yeah. Uh, that one is the that one is the biggest stretch, but you know we might get through a couple of seasons before uh, he has to go back for college, and we'll we'll pick up on it at another time. But it's um, I'm I'm still watching it again. Just makes me so mad because <laughs> the 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 initial episodes are so well constructed, and the little story like you could, it's an entirely different experience to rewatch it because knowing the ending and knowing sort of some major revelations that happen. You can see the little seeds that they're planting all along that you, you did not notice. Um, so uh, that's been really fun. Although it is incredibly frustrating to watch them make you love Daenerys uh, played by Amelia Clark and then have them completely shiv her in the end. <laughs> yeah. It's just so awful. Um, but remember course- they lose star Wars over this. So <laughs> there is justice in the world. and they have not really made anything since no then. I know they got they have a netflix deal <laughs> but yeah um that'll teach them to to peter out at the end of a hugely beloved series uh more christmas stuff of course and i'm still reading um ruth ware's new book the it girl all right does that cover it yeah all right, yeah. well, let's get the hell out of here. So we are the three M's contributors, Joey Moser, Megan McLaughlin, and me, Clarence Moy. Thanking you for joining us, wishing you a very happy holiday season, and uh, asking you to remember to rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find us. Please give us a Christmas present by giving us a, a wonderful rating. Definitely not a lump of coal in our stockings. My Venmo is... <laughs> <laughs> and love wishing you a very pleasant tomorrow.